1: Hello everyone and welcome back to the ECommerce Brain Trust Podcast. I'm your host, Kiri Masters from Bobsled Marketing. And today I have a special guest who's been on the show a couple of years ago, Calvin Lammers, who is the VP of e-commerce and digital at HealthAid, which is a uh, kombucha brand. And Calvin and I had the privilege of presenting at an event last week called D2C Day. Live, which was a three-day event talking about D2C marketing topics with a a great host of of speakers. And Calvin and I were really pleased to talk on a topic around Amazon and which we titled Integrating Amazon into the D2C Playbook. I was really pleased that Calvin wanted to speak with me from the brand perspective for this event because he has worked with a number of emerging CPG brands, including Kind, Buy and Spindrift. And while he was at Spindrift, that was when he actually came on on this podcast a couple of years ago and has most recently joined Health Aid Kombucha about a year ago and led their D2C site launch as well. So what we're going to do in this week's episode, Calvin and I are going to share what we spoke about at the D2C Day event last week, share our our key points from that presentation, and I hope you enjoy it. Integrating Amazon into the D2C playbook. Be where customers are looking for you. Many D2C brands have concerns about launching an Amazon channel. Not owning the direct customer relationship, loss of control of the customer experience, potentially cannibalizing sales from your D2C channel. Those are all legitimate concerns that brands have when exploring an Amazon sales channel. Our presentation today is obviously pro-Amazon in the sense that we do believe brands should be where customers are looking for them. We'll be spending some time talking about how to make sure your Amazon channel is performing effectively in terms of media spend, allocating investment towards innovation and what that should look like, and the underlying operational infrastructure required to be successful on Amazon. But before getting into that brass tacks, I want to state the case for leaning into the Amazon opportunity if your brand is not fully invested in it. So I've been following this brand for a while called. Blender's Eyewear, they're a sunglasses company, and I've actually bought a couple of things from them over the years. And this is a this company just does a great job of what I would think of as the classic D2C playbook. They've got great organic social media happening with influencers and user-generated content. They have an engaging site with all the bells and whistles to get your email address and start building a relationship with them. And I didn't buy anything from the day that I visited their site, but you can see see I was followed around for days on Facebook with retargeting ads reminding me of the sunglasses that caught my eye. So I did what many consumers do without realizing it. I opened up a new tab in my browser and searched for Blender's sunglasses on Amazon. And unfortunately for Blenders, when I search Blenders sunglasses using those exact search terms, I found at least four companies bidding on that search term, Blenders sunglasses, all with a similar style to the sunnies that I was looking at before. I can see what's the best selling option. I can see ones with, you know, lots of reviews. I can see coupons. And, you know, chances are I might just buy sunglasses from one of these competitors who are sort of. Taking advantage of Blender's good name. Did I search on Amazon just because I run an Amazon marketing agency? I don't think so. That might be part of it, but I can tell you that shoppers do the exact same thing. Way back in 2018, a client of ours was running Facebook ads to their D2C site, and it was a, it was a good campaign. had been successful. It, it improved sales, grew sales on their D2C site, and helped them to acquire new customers. What they hadn't expected to, was to see their Amazon sales jump at the same time that they were running these Facebook ad campaigns. And the Facebook ads didn't mention anything about Amazon or that the fa- the brand's products were even sold there. But this tab switching behavior was clearly going on where people were seeing the ad and thinking, hey, that looks pretty good. I'm going to see if I can buy it on Amazon instead, because that's where I like to buy my products So this tab switching can occur between D2C, social and Amazon, as well as offline in the real world where, you know, you're you're checking Amazon reviews of a new product while you're walking around a store. So that's where we sort of come back to this thesis that you need to be where customers are looking for you. That includes discovery, research, transaction, the actual transaction and reordering. And Amazon for a long time was thought of as just being at the transaction stage or the distribution stage. But it's really more than just a way of getting products into customers' hands. It can be a powerful marketing channel in its own right. And here to speak to some of the ways that brands themselves are thinking about Amazon, I'd like to introduce Calvin Lammers, who is the VP of e-commerce and digital at HealthAid.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Hi, Kerry. So the quote, be where your customers are looking for you is something we really take to heart at HealthAid. And that's really been you know informative in, in how we approach our digital journey. I've been with the company for about a year now. And we've had an interesting kind of route to market or, or story and, and very much different from a lot of the emerging and digitally native brands, especially in the food and beverage space that have, have popped up over the last couple of years, where HealthAid actually built the brand and their business via retail via in-store over the past decade. And so we really established wide distribution and availability and built that brand, you know, without really leveraging or utilizing digital to its fullest extent. As we know, especially over this past year, consumer habits have, have continued to change and quite rapidly. And so, you know, when I joined about a year ago, we've shifted our perspective in how we leverage digital and how we're reaching new customers. And obviously, you know, e-commerce digital is a huge part of that especially with Amazon. And so given our in-store distribution and availability, we've taken approach of you know, that customers are shopping in multiple places. They are researching multiple you know, areas or multiple retailers. And so we've utilized Amazon and our DTC site as a initial touch point for trial awareness and reach for new customers. Given our products are cold chain and glass bottles, that obviously provides a number of innate physical challenge and logistical challenges and expenses to fulfill those products. So we've actually had the ability to leverage our widespread distribution and availability with our retail partners via Last Mile to actually drive the sales and trial. And then on the flip side, using our DTC channel and Amazon as awareness platforms for net new customers. And with that in mind, kind of as you were speaking about Carrie, not only is Amazon a huge you know, sales channel for for e commerce in general, it's also a the discovery platform for customers. So this is just something that you know has been talked about, and this that has been kind of thrown about, and how Amazon has surpassed Google to be the lead product search engine for the U.S. And it creates this huge opportunity you know, in particular for some DTC brands to leverage it as such as a media channel. Since, you know, I've heard this in some conversations that, you know, maybe Amazon might not be the right fit for the brand or their focus on DTC. But if you take that approach in your actual media mix, you're you know excluding and missing out on almost 50% of the population. So it is hugely important to view Amazon as that media channel and as an important mix in your media mix because of the massive amount of customers that are using it as that discovery platform. So whether that's you know, validating for, with Amazon reviews or reviewing uh, PDP or brand store content for education on the brand or product, it is a huge research platform, and so any brands out there, especially new and emerging brands, have an opportunity to leverage as such. Even if it is not a primary sales channel or sales driving channel for the brand, you know, including it in the research and discovery process for new customers is incredibly important. And that's really how we have treated it and are treating it at HealthAid. You, know, as I mentioned earlier, given a lot of our logistical challenge, and we're only able to sell multi packs for our products, just given the weight and physical nature of our products. You know, we see it as a discovery platform that we can you know, reach new customers, educate you know, at a high level on the brand, you know, functional benefits with our products, and then we're also running you know the full funnel campaigns with. Our retail media with Instacart or last mile platform so that that barrier to entry is much lower given that they can purchase a, a individual bottle or single bottle as opposed to a six or 12 pack. And so this r- really kind of ties together and how we're building out our full digital funnel and Amazon is a major part of that, you know, in driving that net new discovery, but it is part of a larger ecosystem and how we're building out this digital funnel. And you can see this here with how we've kind of grouped it into three buckets. So on the left, we have our delivery. So our uh, e-commerce delivery only channels such as Amazon or DTC store, you know, where we're driving a lot of that awareness and discovery via these massive platforms. Obviously, we also have Last Mile, as I mentioned, given our massive availability in-store, Inscart has been a huge channel for us over the last couple of years in really driving you know, new customer acquisition and trial given we can you know focus on promoting individual bottles and lower price points and then on top of that with that in-store availability and distribution you know the bopus and in-store pickup has also been a huge channel and so all of these work together customers don't shop in silos you know that obviously is a legacy mentality to have different sales channels but you know, this, this day and age, you know, those silos have been removed. Customers are shopping, customers are researching, customers are purchasing in multiple different locations and in multiple different ways. And so to treat it as such with not only your marketing funnel, but also your purchase funnel is incredibly important.
1: Just out of interest, Calvin, have you been able to track customers from channel to channel? Is that something that you've ever seen? Done effectively.
0: <laughs> so, yeah. so, it is something that we've had limited data or insights into. We do have you know data in terms of channel switching between our own Amazon and DTC channel, and so we do see some overlap, primarily driven by you know either discounts or promotions. But outside of that, you know the other piece we've been able to get some limited insights into is in-store purchases from Amazon customers and Whole Foods, and that's something you know I know we'll we'll talk about in a little bit in terms of some programs we've. Run. With Whole Foods, but that's been our limited way of or view into tracking customers from online into in store for for health data at least. So yeah, limited, but it's been incredibly interesting the limited data that we've had so far.
1: Hmm. Good to know. So I want to talk about this retail media halo effect. There's some recent research from the Digital Shelf Institute, which uncovered through media mix modelling and some other observations of data amongst larger companies, that ad spend on Amazon and Walmart in particular was accretive of $7 to $10 of in-store sales. So that's beyond $7 to $10 of in-store sales for every dollar spent on Amazon or Walmart Walmart.com advertising. Retail media spend drives other incremental benefits as well, like improving repeat purchases, purchase orders, goodwill of partners, and social validation in store as well. So, while not every D2C brand is set up to sell in store or has that specifically as a goal, it does help to frame the earlier point that we made that customers are using many, many touch points on their purchasing journey and for repurchasing, maybe switching between channels, depending on what's going on at the time. Discovery, research, purchasing, repurchasing, and loyalty activities can take place in various channels now. And consider it from the other side, Two, from the, from the retail, brick-and-mortar retail side, I was speaking with the owner of a CPG broker and merchandising firm who says that their clients, the brands that they represent in stores, generally see an increase in online sales when the brand invests in the in-store shop marketing activities like product sampling and end caps. So we're not talking, we need to move beyond this idea of channels having their own neat little, you know, parameters and I spend a dollar here and I expected a certain ROI from there. This is a very organic space that we're operating in and we need to have more sort of shared goals across channels. Calvin, what's your experience been with halo effects, either stemming from Amazon media spend or from other channels spilling over to your Amazon sales?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So it's, yeah, this in particular has been a huge focus point for myself in my career, just as I've worked with a number of different brands. And, you know, this has been, you know, the crucial question and data point you know, in really over the past you know, few years, going too bad for incremental spend mm-hmm. with the impact that you're seeing on both ends, as you were mentioning, both in-store and line and the, the halo effect. And, and I've certainly seen that seen that in, in my own firsthand experience. You know, previously was at Buy, where we, we saw a very similar media impact for every dollar we spent on Amazon. Search, we're receiving seven dollars in return or impact in offline sales, and that's really kind of been influential in terms of how I've approached. and every brand that I've been at since, by we've kept that you know split in terms of how we're allocating dollars with Amazon Media, knowing that you know a huge portion of that is actually impacting. You know, brand awareness and offline sales. And so it should be viewed as a true media expense instead of a a trade spend, you know, as sometimes that it's classified at, at other brands. So that's certainly seen, I've seen that evidence firsthand and carried that through. But even outside of that, as you were talking about with the in-store impact, you know, at Buy Again, you know, we would do massive Costco sampling blitzes and we would see a dramatic uptick in Amazon searches and in Amazon page traffic. You know, we've also seen at when I was at Spindrift, we had an appearance on Good Morning America and we saw a 40% sales lift on Amazon sales that day just because of the overall awareness was that activation was driving for the brand. And going back to our earlier conversation, you know, when customers hear about a brand or they hear brand mention, 53% of the time they're going to go to Amazon to to research it. And we saw that at Spindrift with the Good Morning Mm -hmm. America appearance. And then I would say the last piece that we've really seen too with HealthAid is just the overall you know, media impact as well, not even focused solely on Amazon. So with HealthAid, you know, we just announced our exciting brand refresh and a new website. We actually launched an OTT CTV campaign, you know, promoting the new brand look and feel refresh positioning about a month ago. And since then, we've seen our overall search volume for HealthAid on Amazon or the search term uh, frequency increased by about 4x, almost to the point exactly when we started that OTT CTV media. And it just was mind blowing to see the immediate impact with increased demand or interest in searches for the brand with this media that we were running off of Amazon and not with an Amazon call to action. Wow. Yeah. So it was incredibly exciting to see.
1: That's a big result.
0: Yeah it was mad. I was just looking at the chart the other day and it couldn't have been a more 90 degree angle to the right with our search terms over the yeah. past 4 weeks.
1: Yeah. so it's, it's not always possible to do really comprehensive media mix modeling. That's a very expensive exercise, yeah. but you've got a you know <laughs> two screens up and you can see you've got your ads running here and your Amazon yep. impressions over there and there's there's no other explanation. So Exactly. Exactly. That's great to hear. So I just want to take a quick time check and make sure that we're on track here. We've talked about being where your customer wants to transact, the halo effect in retail media. We've got two more topics to cover off today around allocating budget for innovation and underlying infrastructure that needs to be considered. Our most successful clients at Bobsled allocate 10% of their business's usual budget to more speculative bets. And this is where agile D2C brands typically can shine without a traditional business model and not being locked into long-term contracts. You have the levity to place directionally right bets and confirm or disprove your hypotheses. Let's consider an innovation bet that's unfolding right now. When new platforms launch in retail media, the cost per click of those bids are generally low and competition because competition is low. And in this chart, we can see average cost per clicks starting at $0.50 cents and peaking at $3 just six months later. This data is from our ad tech partner, PackView and shows the CPCs on Instacart over a period of 12 months. This time last year in May... Instacart launched its self-service ad platform. So it's a new system. And what's changed over time is Instacart's sort of value. It's still a great ROI channel, especially compared to more established retail media channels. But that certainly changes as more competitors jump in and look to exploit the same opportunity. So we'll talk a little bit about about I might switch this around a little bit, Calvin, and find out what your experience has been of allocating innovation budget to Amazon.
0: Sure, I can certainly add in. You know, we I know we've we've even seen the Inscard piece where we we were on the platform about a year ago and still seen good returns as you mentioned. But yeah, the overall efficiencies have definitely seen a sharper decline over the last few months as more and more brands obviously join the platform and start their campaigns. So yeah.
1: Mm. So with Amazon in particular, Amazon's been, you know, is no spring chicken in terms of online marketplaces. It's been around for a long time, very much an established advertising platform at this point, but there are still, Amazon's still very aggressive in launching new programs and tools that should be considered as candidates for your innovation budget. With Amazon, we might look at jumping in early on programs like Amazon Live Video, posts and this new program that will allow brands to share product updates with Amazon customers who follow that brand. I think it's not, it's pretty underrated how many beta programs Amazon actually launches and shares with with brands and agency partners. And even if you're not jumping in to these initiatives specifically, brands successfully use Amazon to test out new products product variants, et cetera, as well. So I certainly think of Amazon as a petri dish for some great experiments that brands are running. What's your experience, Calvin, been of allocating innovation budget to Amazon?
0: Yeah, I would, I would 100% agree. That's definitely been my experience with Amazon as well, in that it's kind of a cyclical wheel with this, where if you have innovation budget with Amazon and you're able to participate in an early beta program, you know, they, they help Promote that mentality by then giving you early access to the next beta. So it is kind of the hand that feeds <laughs> in a sense. Mm-hmm. And so it's definitely been interesting to see that having taken part in a few Amazon advertising betas over my career in taking different approaches with the innovation budget at buy. It certainly was, we did have a you know dedicated innovation budget every quarter where 10 to 15% of our, our budget each quarter was set aside for innovation or testing that quarter. And that allowed us to be able to move quick and be an early, quick adopter to any new, new advancements or programs that the advertising team were rolling out, whether that was AMS when it first launched and we were able to take mm. advantage of extremely low C- CPCs. You know, same thing with a DEA and DSP and being able to really leverage that from a retargeting perspective. And we've kept that same kind of approach at HealthAid. Where over the past year, given that you know Whole Foods is such an important retail partner, as I mentioned earlier, where that was one of our, our first crucial you know distribution partners that we gained in the early days, and that continues to be a primary focus for us. Given that Amazon you know acquired Whole Foods a couple of years ago, that's now opened up advertising avenues you know for our Whole Foods business, and we haven't had a formal innovation budget, but did have budget. I guess, set aside and open dollars that we were able to tap into and be able to leverage a Whole Foods DSP campaign, which is a beta program that Amazon launched last year. And because of that, we were able to take advantage of that early access and, you know, before most other brands were even playing in this space and get very efficient CPMs and also see high returns with this beta program, which, you know, well, I know we'll, uh, we'll get into the, this next piece with the actual impact that we saw on our, on our retail business. since this goes back to what I was saying earlier, where this is one of the you know limited avenues that we've been able to see, you know, kind of that full funnel in-store impact with any digital program that we've ran, you know, while I was at Buy. Yeah, as I mentioned, you know we had kind of that full MMM offline impact study that was able to reference and, and you know hold on to for these years. With our Whole Foods DSP campaign that we ran at at Health Aid last year, we're actually able to get in-store attribution through this program to see that twenty percent of the sales attributed sales from this Whole Foods PSP campaign actually were made in store. And obviously, the, the remainder 80% were made on the Whole Foods on Amazon platform as well. So having that tangible impact, knowing that you're driving in-store sales with this digital activation, you know, granted it was a lower spend or a small shorter campaign and still drove that 20% in-store attribution was incredibly impressive and has been very influential for our strategy going into this year. Because as I mentioned. Once you participate in any beta program, you know, you get you kind of first access at, at the next one. And so we're looking at a number of different digital activations for, for Whole Foods as well via Amazon advertising. You know, and are extremely excited to add that to the mix with our full Amazon marketing funnel and all the other tactics that we have, ranging from awareness, consideration, purchase and loyalty, you know, ultimately to drive that net new customer reach, as we talked about earlier with the Amazon platform.
1: That's a great point. And I just want to underscore that that was... You're only able to do that because you had those open dollars available and a inclination internally to try these programs out. Absolutely. So let's talk about some of the limitations of Amazon, particularly, you know, through the lens of a D2C brand. Let's call a spade a spade. (laughs) Amazon can be a challenging partner. There are factors that you need to consider on Amazon that aren't required on other channels. Amazon calls these factors retail readiness, and I'll just list out a few of these considerations here. There's re you know policies and management of resellers, inventory availability and forecasting, product pricing, and your the profitability of your assortment that is a different ball game on Amazon for lots of underlying reasons. choices around fulfillment and how your orders are going to actually. Be delivered to customers, looking at the fees that Amazon's charging you, and a range of compliance-related concerns around hazardous materials, product compliance, and things like that. One issue that's cropped up recently that's become a major pain point is inventory restrictions, and some sellers using Amazon's fulfillment program suddenly had their inventory limits reduced quite dramatically right before Prime Day. And that's just a flavor of the kind of issues that can crop up randomly and have significant challenges. So if you're an e-commerce or digital specialist, suddenly you need to also become a supply chain and operations specialist as well. (laughs) So selling on Amazon is not really something that you can dip your toes into. There needs to be some investment around the operations and supply chain considerations as well. So Calvin, to close us out here, can you talk through some of the things that you need to have in place that a D2C focused brand may not have the infrastructure for
0: Absolutely yeah and I think you touched on a few of them but I think mm. you know the one word I would say here that is important to keep in mind you know, is a loss of or the one phrase is the loss of control. That's the biggest shift from a DTC mentality to an Amazon mentality that even if you're a third party, this idea that you control everything or your own your brand presence that kind of goes out the window because of whether that's inventory restrictions, content, you know, it's not a one-to-one ratio or it's not a direct control. And so that is important to keep in mind with your brand presence on Amazon, you know, should you move forward with that. A few more, you know, kind of detailed elements of that, you know, as you mentioned, Kerry, is, you know, logistics. There's a number of logistical supply chain requirements, whether that's pallet building, you know, case labeling, product size, you know, sortable, non sortable a number of Amazon yeah. exclusive logistics challenges that only exist with Amazon that you know, obviously are not applicable to you know DTC or even you know most other other, other retailers that when I joined Spindrift, it, it you know in building out our, our e-commerce and Amazon channel specifically it was a, the first four months was almost exclusively built or spent with our supply chain team and just making sure that we were prepared to be ready for our, our weekly Monday POs so it's just a completely different mindset and skill set and logistics and supply chain is such a crucial part of that. But on top of that, content and advertising, also a completely different ecosystem. So even if it's you know, a primary product search engine, you cannot take the same you know, SEM PPC strategy or keywords that you're bidding on for Google for your DTC business and just transfer them over to Amazon because it's a completely different search mentality in how customers are searching products on Amazon and so you have to treat it as such. You know, we had an example with our campaigns at HealthAid where we took one of our best video sponsored video performing videos on paid social, you know, ran that on sponsored brand videos on Amazon and it actually performed significantly worse than our existing Amazon creative. Mm. And so it's just a completely different behavior and so to treat it as such it is hugely crucial and then the last piece is content whereas you know, DTC you have full confidence hopefully knock on wood you know, unless shopify goes down or something that your content is your own you own that you make updates you can schedule releases amazon you're playing in a pool even if you're you know the registered brand owner you own your listings you're the only seller doesn't mean that you know the next day you won't wake up and all of your content or images are reverted to a year old content i've the number of times i've seen that <laughs> happen or I've had, you know, deals scheduled for Prime Day and woke up two days before and have them, you know, canceled or taken down uh-huh. for some reason, I've lost track of. Them. So I yeah, guess going back to the main point, control.
1: Oh, just, yeah. uh, you have
0: to have it, option A, option B, option C, option D available at all times for Amazon, essentially.
1: Yep. A few more gray hairs on your head.
0: That is for sure. Yeah. <laughs> a few
1: more. <laughs> So that's that's a good place to leave it for us today. We've covered a lot of ground here in terms of you know the business case for Amazon, being where your customers are looking for you, the retail media halo effect and and we, we can't isolate these channels out. Being an early mover with a lot of the programs that Amazon is developing and sharing with early partners, and some of the operational factors you'll need to consider as well. Just to close us out, Calvin, is there anything else that you want to leave the audience with today?
0: No, I think, yeah, this has been great. And yeah, just to sum everything up. Yeah, I think you treat your strategy just as the consumer does. And you should treat every channel, every platform with equal importance, knowing that consumers are now shopping and, and discovering cloud. products and on multiple platforms and obviously amazon as you're talking about is an important part of the puzzle here
1: great well i've just popped up on the screen other ways that people can connect with us and keep on top of what's coming next in e-commerce thanks calvin thanks hey it's kiri again just want to thank calvin for joining me at this presentation and also for the organizers of d2c day it was a great event lots of really impressive lineup of speakers i'm not sure if replays are going to be available for all of the sessions but we did want to make our replay available to listeners of this podcast what i will do is also make sure that the slides are up on the youtube channel so if you're interested in seeing the slides as well, just click on the link in the show notes here and and you can see that slide presentation on YouTube as well. Thanks for listening and I'll catch you next week.